we're in a sermon series called Forward with Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year. So we're going to Tennessee to be with my dad this week. We'll be back for next Sunday, but going to be traveling, you know. And, and Thanksgiving, you think of the three Fs, you know, family, food, and football, you know. And, uh, and, and that's true. But, you know, it's also kind of sad to me because it leaves out the original reason for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanking God. And I want to encourage you, be thankful this Thanksgiving. Spend some time as a family to talk about what you're thankful for and to actually give thanks to God because if we don't get around to that, we've, we've really missed the whole point of it. And, and that's one of the examples of, of barriers to thanksgiving. Sometimes busyness, just the busyness of life, keeps us out of the presence of God, keeps us out of a place of thanksgiving and praise and worship. But there are many people who, for different reasons, are held back in their praise, held back from giving thanks, held back in, in, uh, from worshiping in, in freedom. It seems like something is always blocking them and, and weighing them down and holding them back. So I felt led today to preach on breaking barriers to thanksgiving. Amen. Now, there's a lot of barriers. I don't have time to talk about all of them today. We're going to talk about a few. But when we overcome whatever barriers we have to thanksgiving, we can then truly live out the meaning of the word thanksgiving. So don't be satisfied with being held back. This is another one of those things that we're going to talk about, things you need to let go so that you can hold on to thanking God. Amen? Amen. All right, number one, to be thankful, we must overcome a wrong view of God. This is, this is huge. A, a wrong view of God can do a lot of different things. It can cause you to be performance-oriented, where you feel you have to earn your way into God's presence. And so if you don't feel you've been a good boy or a good girl this week, not, not good enough, then you're not going to really spend time thanking God or coming into his presence. Let me tell you, you will never get good enough to come into God's presence on your own. Never. There's only one way. It's a new and living way. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we come into the presence of God. And so we've got to get a right view of that. A, a wrong view of God can cause you to live under condemnation where you don't understand grace and forgiveness. And so you never feel like you can come to God. Or some people have an other extreme where they kind of see God as Santa Claus and he should always do what I want when I want. And then when it doesn't happen when they want, how they want, they, they blame God for it. Listen, you can't, you can't simultaneously pray Praise God and blame God. If you're blaming God, you're not going to praise God. But listen to me, you can't praise God and stay mad at God. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 tells us to give thanks to, to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. If you do not believe that God is good, you will never give him thanks. That's why we sang it today. This is one thing I hold on to. You are God and you are good. If you think God is the cause of all your problems, God is the cause of all your pain, you will never give him thanks. If you think God is withholding good things from you, you will never give him thanks. To give God thanks, you must have a right view of God. Where does that view come from? From the word of God. So secondly, I want you to see, to be thankful, we must overcome limited Bible knowledge. This is so huge today. So many people barely ever crack open the Bible. So many people have so limited, such limited Bible knowledge. And limited Bible knowledge results in limited thanksgiving. Limited Bible knowledge results in shallow praise. Limited Bible knowledge results in weak worship. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. 
You've heard it. My people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But what is the knowledge he's talking about? I like this version. They don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. And you might be thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me. That, that's talking about priests. But I remind you what 1 Peter 2.9 says about believers. You are a chosen people. Can you say chosen? chosen. A royal priesthood. Can you say priest? priest? I'm a priest. A holy nation of people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is why God called you. This is one of the reasons God saved you. That you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You belong to God so you can show forth his praise. Declare his praise. We are a kingdom of priests who declare our praise and worship and thanksgiving to God. And if we don't know God and we don't know his word, we'll be very will be unable to offer him thanksgiving and praise. If you're having a hard time thanking God, I I, want to encourage you, get in the Bible, read the Bible, learn who God is, spend time with him and time in his word, and and you'll become thankful. You will. How do I know that? Because Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says this. This is a prayer of Paul. We ask God, you should pray this prayer for yourself, by the way. When I see these kind of prayers, I pray for you. I pray for the church. I I prayed it for you this week, and you should pray for yourself. Uh, We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And you you can pray those kind of prayers. God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that. Here's the, he's going to give you reasons. You need to understand God, understand his will, understand his word. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. We see here the results of knowing God and knowing his word. You live a life worthy of God. You live a life pleasing to God. You bear good fruit. You grow in the knowledge of God. You're strengthened with his power and his might and you joyfully give thanks. The ability to give thanks is a direct result of knowing God and knowing God comes from spending time with him in prayer and in his word. Number three, to be thankful we must overcome ungratefulness. I told you last week, it's so much easier to be ungrateful than grateful. And if you want to overcome the barrier of ungratefulness, you've got to develop deliberate thankfulness. Deliberate thankfulness. You must look for things to be thankful for. And let me ask you, what do you express more, gratefulness or ungratefulness? If you're not sure, I encourage you to ask somebody who knows you well, if they're brave enough to tell you, But let me tell you something. Most Americans do not know how blessed we are, how thankful we ought to be. We think we got it so bad, but we don't have a clue what the rest of the world experiences. That's why I love taking people on missions trips to third world countries, and you see how so many people in the world live. There's 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 25,000 people who die every day of starvation in the world, every single day. And we complain because there's a line in McDonald's and the drive-thru. Over 220 million people, and, 
are unemployed in the world and, and we complain about our jobs. We complain the music is too loud or the sermon is too long. I didn't preach for the way I wanted him to preach. But you know, do you know that billions of people on this planet cannot worship at all without fear of persecution? Tatiana shared about that today when the, growing up in the former Soviet Union and where, where you're persecuted. But we, we should be thankful for the freedoms we have. Listen, listen to me close right here. We complain our in, about our income. But do you know that half of the world, nearly 3 billion people, listen to me, half of the world, nearly three, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day? Half the world. 80% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. $10 a day, 365 days, $3,650, 80% a year, 80% of the world lives on less than that. We have so much to be thankful for. Do you know we talk about the 1% in America, and we, we're talking about the 1% of Americans. Oh, we want to be like those 1%, the, 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 the Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all those, those 1% rich people. Do you know that almost every uh, single American is among the world's richest people? Y'all got real quiet on me right there. I'm going to prove it to you. And you can do this on your own. There's a, a website called How Rich Am I? I, I've, I've done this several times over the years. I haven't shown this to you in several years. So some of you have seen it before. How rich am I? Where you, you enter in your income, and you can do it by whatever country you're in. We're in the United States, so it's going to be in dollars. You enter it in, and it shows you, um, it compares you to the world's median income. According to the Department of Housing and Urban, Develop, Urban Development, the median Household income, median is midpoint. Half make less, half make more. The median is $79,000. That puts, if you enter in $79,000, that puts you, you are in the richest 1% of the global population. If your family income is $79,000, you are in the top 1% of the richest people in the world, along with Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, the Walton family, everybody else that you can think of. You, if your family together is making that, you are in that 1% in the world. If you make $50,000, you're in the top 1.5% of the, of the richest people in the world. If you make $35,000, you are in the top 3.5% of the richest people in the world. If you make $25,000 a year as a family, you are in the richest 6.6% of the population of the world. If you make $15,000 a year, you're in the top 14% of the richest people in the world. If you only make $10,000 a year, you are in the richest 20% of the world. Stop comparing yourself to Bill Gates. Come on, somebody. You are among, you sitting here today, watching online, you are some of the richest people in the world. You are so blessed, and you don't even know it. We get so overcome by, by complaining and ungratefulness, and, and, and God has blessed us so much. We have so many freedoms. We have so much blessing. We've got to overcome that barrier of ungratefulness and choose to be grateful for what we have. Number four, to be thankful this is a hard one. We've got to overcome self-centeredness. <laughs> Self-centered people have a hard time worshiping. Why? Because they can't get their eyes off themselves. Positive, negative, whatever way, it's on themselves. 
You can't worship with your eyes on yourself. Worship doesn't focus on you. Worship focuses on God. And worship we give before we receive. Worship requires dying to self. It requires sacrifice. It's costly. David said, I'm not going to offer to God that which costs me nothing. But so many people have a hard time with this. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Know this, in the last days, we're in those last days, you listen to what I'm about to read you, all these are happening today. Perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's first on the list, and everything else on that list flows out of that. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, from such people turn away. If anything describes these these times, it's that. People are lovers, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, boastful, and unthankful. Loving themselves and pleasure more than God. And, and, that, that's because, and that makes them have a, a hard time worshiping because if you're going to break th- worship, you've got to break through this barrier of ungratefulness and look for things to be grateful for. You've got to understand the heart of worship. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's not just jumping and shouting. It's not just singing and, and praying. It's not just lifting your hands or dancing. It, it, it's offering yourself as a living sacrifice to God. True worship flows out of a heart that is dead to self and alive to God. Amen. This verse shows us how to break through this barrier of selfishness. It requires sacrifice. Sacrifice means to give up something for someone else. What sacrifices can we offer a holy God? Listen, no sacrifice we ever make is done to make us right with God. Jesus did that. There was one sacrifice that made us right with God. Once for all time, Jesus and his blood on the cross. But so what sacrifices can we make? Well, Hebrews 13, 15 through 16 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, how often? Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, and he tells us two things here. The fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The sacrifice of praise, some people just reduce it down to to giving him the the fruit of your lips, your, your praise to God, but it's also the fruit of your life, giving to God and other people. They go together, worship and giving, because worship is giving. Listen to me. Stingy people never make good worshipers. Worshipers understand there's a a cost in worship. And many Christians today want a relationship with God that is all blessing and no cost. Discipleship without commitment. Salvation without repentance. Blessing without sacrifice. All about me. All about me and receiving. All about me and what I can get and no giving. Listen, the percentage of people that give to the Lord is very small. I'm talking about in church. It's the, the percent, there's a few people in every church, relatively few, that pretty much carry the load in giving. Some people come to church week after week after week and never give a thing to the Lord or to the church. 
But God wants us to, to devote ourselves entirely to him, to sacrifice to him with our lives and with everything that's part of us. I, I don't know where we got the idea that giving should be easy. I don't know where we got the idea that we should give only if we have something left over after we've paid everything else and bought everything we want and done everything else we've, we want to do. If there's anything left over, then I'll give to God. I knew it was going to get quiet at that moment. I was prophetically thinking, it's going to be quiet right here, Joe. Thanksgiving begins in the heart, but it's expressed through the lips and through your life and through the way you give. And that produces, when you give, listen, when you give, it produces thankfulness. How do I know that? Again, the Bible tells me. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 11 says, let each one give. As he purposes in his heart. He didn't say, let each one purpose whether or not he will give. This whole message right here is going to be really quiet, but I'm going to, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to hear this. The Bible does not say you determine whether or not you give. It says, let each one purpose in his heart. Give, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. Now, may, listen to this. May he who supplies seed to the sower and food for bread, listen to me. So, the reason some of y'all aren't getting a harvest, this isn't my sermon, and it's taking some of my time, but, but it's because you're eating the seed. God gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. He gives you, is that what it says? Seed to sow and bread to eat. So if you're not sowing anything, it means if you're not giving, if you're not giving out, if you're not tithing, if you're not giving to offerings, you're not giving to missions, you're not giving to anything, you are eating the seed. And there will be no harvest. But the prayer is, may he who, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. God is multiplying the seed you have sown. Some of y'all, it's a zero. You're wondering why you're getting zero. God says, I'm going to multiply what you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you're enriched in everything for all liberality, listen, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Giving causes thanksgiving through us to God. If you want to break the barrier to thanksgiving and praise, start giving. All through the Bible, God says give him first. Not give him leftovers. Give him first. Give to him first. It's the principle of first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And you are wealthy. I just showed it to you. You're without excuse. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. That's your income. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. First fruits are the first part of the crop. God said the first part, the first 10%, the tithe, it belongs to him. And we should give it to him before anything else. And some of you are are on the leftover plan. I'll give God if I have anything left over. I guarantee you if that's your plan, there will never be nothing left over to give to God. The enemy will see to it to that. You've got to put him first, and then the blessing follows the giving. And giving is not just Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 16 says about the collection for God's people. On the first day of every week, each one of you 
should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. New Testament giving, then it was the first day of the week. The, the, the worship day became on, on Sunday. For us, it's whenever we get paid. Or, or I mean, I, you know, I, I always loved giving in the offering. Now I do it online. You know, I started that with, with COVID, and I just give on the app. But I do it usually the day I get paid. The first thing I do before I pay any other bill, I pay my tithe. I, I give to, the, to offerings. I give to missions. I give to angel tree. I give to every offering we take. Uh, and and that, the Bible says that that is each one of us in keeping with our income. What does that mean? Well, the Amplified verse version says, on the first day of each week, let each one of, you per- each one of you personally set aside something and save it up as he has prospered in proportion to what he has given. It's proportionate giving, which sounds a lot like tithing to me. Now listen, I know there's lots of views on tithing and giving, but at GFC, we don't, we don't believe we're under the law to tithe, but we believe that tithing is a principle that started way before the law, was confirmed by Jesus himself, who said, yes, you should tithe. And if you go back to the origins of the tithe, you will find it's an act of worship. And that's why giving is such a big part of our worship. Giving is the way God wants us to bless others and bless him, but it also blesses us because Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And one of the greatest blessings that happens when you give is you break through the barrier of self-centeredness. I'm trying to help you today. Lastly, to be thankful, we must overcome grumbling and complaining. Grumbling. Grumbling is complaining. Gratitude is giving thanks. Now, there's a place for justified complaining. But some people do nothing but complain. Do not look at anybody else during this part of this sermon. (laughs) Do not elbow anybody. Some people have developed complaining to an art form. I mean, they're, they're, they're professionals. They have something negative to say about everything, everyone. They can find the bad in every good situation. Nothing's ever good enough. They're chronic complainers. Do you know God hates that? When we think of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, we think that they wandered because of, of unbelief, and that's part of it. But the Bible says there was five other things that hindered them. They're listed in 1 Corinthians 10. God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the, the desert. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. Do, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. And do not complain as some of them did. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. God lists grumbling and complaining right up there with idolatry and sexual immorality. It's a serious thing, and God just says, he's warning us. Thank you about, think about this. The children of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt in slavery for over 400 years, and God set them free, and they were happy and rejoicing and full of celebration and praise for about 30 days. And then they started grumbling. They grumbled about the living conditions. They grumbled about being thirsty. They grumbled about being hungry. So God provided them manna. And then they began to grumble about the manna. They grumbled so much, read your Bible, that God was going to kill them without Moses interceding for them. This is a serious thing. So let me ask you, are are, are you grumbling or are you grateful? If you're a grumbler, you can turn that around. You you know what you can do? You You can start, you can fast complaining. Try to fast complaining. Uh, start with a minute. Start with a minute. <laughs> For the next minute, I'm not complaining. Work up to an hour. Fast complaining for a day. Fast complaining for a week. 
Fast complaining for a month. Fast complaining for a year. You might get a, a, a complain-free life. Listen, if you have a hard time, grumblers have a hard time of thinking anything to give thanks for. If you can, listen, I'm going to help you here. If you can't think of anything good, think of something that's not wrong. Thank God for what doesn't need healing. Thank God for what's not broke. And the more things you find to be grateful for, the more grateful you will be. Listen, Jesus went to a cross and died for us. He gave everything for us. He made salvation possible for us. He's blessed us in so many ways. But are we saying thank you in return? Where's our gratitude? Remember this. Complaining is to Satan what praise is to God. Complaining is to Satan what praise is to God. Grumbling is to Satan what what gratitude is to God. So I want to close today by encouraging you to, to move forward in thanksgiving by overcoming whatever barriers are holding you back and expressing your gratitude, your praise, your worship to God. You see, the optimist says the cup is half full. The pessimist says the cup is half empty. But the child of God says, my cup runs over. Ungratefulness says whatever I have is not enough. Gratefulness says whatever I have, I'm going to learn to be content in it. Fear says I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. But faith says my God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches. Grumbling says this is all too hard for me. Gratitude says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Grumbling says I don't think I'll ever get ahead. Gratitude says thank be to God who always causes me to triumph. Grumbling says everybody's against me. But gratitude says if God is for me, who can be against you. So I encourage you right now, stand to your feet, break through some barriers, break through whatever is holding you back in praise and worship. Don't wait till later. Don't just stand up. Give him some praise. Give him some thanks. Come on, break through the barrier right now. Open your mouth and thank God for something. Thank God for something that's not wrong. Thank God for something that's good. Thank God every good and perfect gift, every blessing in your life is a gift from God. Can you thank Jesus for dying for you? Can you thank God for the cross, the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the people of God, the blessing of God? Thank Him for it. Come on. Come on. One more minute. Come on. Keep going. Somebody needs a breakthrough right here. Come on. Open your mouth. Praise Him out loud. Bless His holy name.